38 years is a long time. And this man had been sick for all of this time, had been unable to get up on his own. But that day, that day after he'd been there 38 years, Jesus found that man laying next to a pool, and he reached out his hand to the man, and he asked him a question. He said, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Seems like a strange question, doesn't it? Because of course the man was sick. What sick person wouldn't want to be healed? And here this man is, laying there, 38 years, and Jesus asks him, Wilt thou be made whole? The man answers and he says, he says, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the water. See, he believed that when the water in the pool moved, that if he would get there first, that he would be healed, but he didn't have anybody to help him. Isn't it interesting? Because Jesus was sitting there talking to him, willing to help him. And folks, Jesus is willing and ready to help you this morning. He came down to this earth and gave of his life to help you and to help me to be able to bridge the gap between us and God. In the first part of John, John chapter 3, Jesus says that no man can ascend unto the Father until someone first has descended. That was Jesus. And that looks back, clear back to the time of Jacob, back in the book of Genesis. Remember Jacob's ladder as he dreamed about this, this link between heaven and earth, and it was this ladder, and there were angels ascending and descending on it. See, we can't get up the ladder until somebody first came down that ladder, and that was Jesus. Jesus came to save sinners. Now, it's interesting, though, because after Jesus heals this man, the man, the Bible says, picks up his bed, and he walks. And at the end of the passage we looked at last week, it said, and it was on the Sabbath day. You said, now why is that important? Well, the Sabbath day probably isn't important to you unless you're a Jew. If you, have, if you are of Jewish descent this morning, you understand how important the Sabbath day is to the Jew. And the religious leaders of that day had taken God's command, the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and they had taken that command and they had added to it and added to it and added to it to the place that there were over 600 laws and rules and regulations that the people had to keep. They had what they called uh, father rules, and then they had son rules. And you say, so some rules were for the dads and some were for the boys. No, what they're referring to is a kind of hierarchy of rules. So there was the rule that said, you can't work on the Sabbath day. So then they said, well, that was a father rule. So then a son rule might be like, well, if you're a tailor, you can't carry a needle in your pocket. Because if you carry a needle in your pocket on the Sabbath day, you might be working. The rules even carried on. There was a rule that said you couldn't go out and harvest your fields on the Sabbath day. So they said, well, if you can't harvest your fields, did you know they told the women that they couldn't look at a mirror on the Sabbath day? You know why? Because a woman, and men, we might do this too, might be tempted to harvest a gray hair off of her head. I'm not joking. This is how far they had taken the Sabbath laws that she might 
pluck a gray hair out of her head, and that would be considered breaking the Sabbath. As I look around this morning, I'm thankful that there's a lot of you that I can tell you're not breaking the Sabbath, right? Because you've got plenty of your gray hair this morning, and, and I believe that I'm catching you. So uh, anyway, we will be careful along with that. But there was all kinds of crazy stuff that the people had put around the Sabbath day. And so when Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day, and the Bible says that he then took up his bed and walked, the religious leaders caught up to this man and they said, what are you doing carrying your bed on the Sabbath day? And the man didn't know what to say, and so he just says, well, this man healed me, and he told me to pick up my bed and carry it, and that's why I'm doing it. Well, later the religious leaders caught up with Jesus, and they began to, the Bible says, persecute him. Isn't it interesting that the very first thing that they began to persecute Jesus about was the fact that he had healed a sick man on the Sabbath day? I mean, can you think of anything more wonderful for Jesus to do on any day of the week is to heal somebody? And yet they had made up all kinds of things that were beyond what God had said and put all kinds of rules and regulations around it and had said, you broke the law, Jesus. You healed on the Sabbath day. And Jesus, immediately after they say this to him, he says, no, I'm just doing the will of my Father, God. Now that made them even more mad because not only was he saying he broke the Sabbath day, now he's saying that you're blaspheming against God, the Father. So they're persecuting Jesus. They are begin to attack Jesus. They begin to say things about Jesus and have a problem with Jesus. And so Jesus, in the verses that were read this morning, in John chapter 5, verse 30 through 47, Jesus brings five witnesses. Now, if you're familiar with the court of law, especially in the Jewish court, the rule was this, if you were accused of something, that you needed to bring two or three witnesses to corroborate your story, right? To back you up and to say what you had done was true and right. And if you had two or three witnesses, then the judge would believe your side of the story. Now, Jesus had just healed a guy, remember? And honestly, if it was you or me, and we were being accused of doing something wrong, like breaking the Sabbath, but you, we would have probably looked at him and said, what are you talking about? I just healed a guy, right? But that's not what Jesus did. Instead of responding back angrily or frustrated that they were attacking him and saying, well, look at me, I just healed somebody, you know, like rock, paper, scissors, I healed a guy, I beat you, I win, right? He, he didn't do that. He said... I've got five witnesses, and this morning I want to bring those five witnesses to you. Because folks, whether or not you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, I am thankful that there is evidence that Jesus is God. And Jesus brings five witnesses to us this morning. These same five witnesses that he brought to those religious leaders that day. Now, some of these witnesses may mean more to you than others. 
Some of these, these, all five of these witnesses were very specifically focused to where those religious leaders were that day. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, if you're in John chapter 5, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 30. But I want you to notice what Jesus is saying, really paying attention here. Jesus says in John 5 verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. Now, doesn't that sound like a contradiction? Didn't Jesus just heal a guy? And why is he saying that he can do nothing? Stay with me. He says, as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Could Jesus have spoken up for himself? Sure he could have. But Jesus said, I'm not here to speak up for myself and tell you how great I am. I'm going to let these witnesses speak for me. Jesus said, I'm not here to do my own will. I'm not following what I want to do. I'm here to follow my Father's will. And Folks, this isn't the main point of the message this morning, but I think this is an important thing for us to notice. Even Jesus, God's Son, God in human flesh, He lived His life according to the will of the Father. See, there are going to be people that might accuse you along the way. People that are going to fight against you. People that are going to come against you. People will bring accusations against you. And it might be for something you've done wrong, and maybe those are deserved. And that's why we can plead the blood of Christ that washes away all sin. But it's possible that you may be unjustly accused at some point in your life. You may have somebody come and bring something against you and accuse you of doing something that you didn't do. And you know what our natural response is? Is to fight back. Right. Right. say, look at me, look what I did, look who I am. But folks, this isn't what Jesus did. Jesus said, I'm just here doing my Father's will. See, I believe this very strongly based on the truth of God's Word. If you'll let God fight your battles... He'll always win. But see, when God fights, He doesn't fight like you fight, like I fight. But when God wins, He doesn't win like you win and I win. He wins. He always wins. And it may not happen quite in the speed that you expect or the way that you expect, but it will happen. God will win. So if you're facing something this morning and you've Say, you know what? I've been falsely accused. There's hope. Be, if you're doing the will of the Father. But let's go back to our passage this morning. Jesus is speaking here and He says, I, I'm not here to do my own will. I'm doing the will of my Father, the one who sent me. Verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. He's not saying that Jesus, Jesus is not saying that he's a liar. What he's saying is in the court of law, the strongest witness that you can bring is not your own witness for yourself. It's other people that can come and bring those witnesses about you in what you've done and what you've said. The Bible says this in Proverbs 18, 17. He that is first in his own cause 
seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. You know what that means? When you get up and you tell your story, people are most are likely maybe to believe you because you're the first one to tell the story. But sometimes when other people come up and give testimony, all of a sudden the story that sounded so clear and so sure now isn't so clear and so sure. Because people begin to argue and begin to point out the holes in your story. And so that's a good lesson for us as well, right? Make sure you hear both sides of the story before you make a decision about something. Don't decide something just because you heard one side. Make sure you listen to both sides. Proverbs tells us that. It's hard to know the truth till you've heard both sides of the story. So Jesus knows this, and Jesus says, I'm not going to speak and bear witness of myself because my witness is not true. Verse 32, There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Here's our first witness, folks. Verse number 33, He sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Jesus is saying this. John the Baptist had come, right? And John the Baptist had been prophesied that he would come. John the Baptist was born in a very special way, wasn't he? To Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. He's related to Jesus. He was born about six months before Jesus was born. And he began his earthly ministry about six months before Jesus did. And as he began to preach... And share the gospel. The Bible says he was baptizing as people came and they turned from their sins to follow God. And so John built up this following of people, but then someone came along and John described him this way. He says, there's one who's coming that's greater than me, whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. Wow. I'm not even worthy to unbuckle his sandal, John says. And John takes all of his followers and he points them to Jesus. John baptizes Jesus. Remember, he didn't want to baptize Jesus. He thinks, I'm not worthy to baptize Jesus, but John baptizes Jesus. And many of the people begin to follow after Jesus. See, the Jews, even the religious leaders, they liked what John was doing for a time. And that's what he says. He says, he was a shining light. And you followed after him. But Jesus says this, John is a witness to me. John is a witness to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. See, John was somebody that they would have all known at this point. Most likely, John was sitting in prison while this conversation is being had. Remember, John had been in prison, and then later, they cut his head off for following after God and preaching the truth. And John was a witness to Jesus Christ. See, Jesus lived a life that is an example for us. He lived a dependent life. He was dependent upon the will of the Father. He was dependent on God's provision and God's direction. And Jesus brings these witnesses forward to prove who He was and why He had come. Jesus was humble enough to provide witnesses 
to himself. Witnesses to who he was. John, through his ministry, pointed people to Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus because Jesus was the only one that could bring salvation. John told the truth about Jesus. He's our first witness. But Jesus continues on in verse 36. And he says, but I have greater witness than that of John. So you thought John was a great witness, and he was. Jesus says, I've got a greater witness. For the works which the Father hath given to me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Here's the second witness, the works of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus could speak about himself, but the thing that people could see and know that he meant what he said is he did it. He said, if you don't believe my words, look at my works. When Jesus, remember the man who was crippled, the Bible says, and his four friends brought him to Jesus and they carried him up on the rooftop. Imagine this morning if all of a sudden we heard a scrabbling up on the roof and it wasn't a coon or a rat or you know a, a crow or a cat or some other creature, but it was people tearing the roof apart. We might be a little concerned, wouldn't we, this morning? And all of a sudden, some insulation and ceiling tiles begin to fall, and it starts to, light comes in that we're not used to having in here, and things begin to happen, and all of a sudden, a bed comes down lowered by four ropes. Don't you think that'd get our attention this morning? I thought about designing all that. You know, you'd listen to the preaching so much better if we had stuff, people descending out of the ceiling and things like that. But I, I'm just not able to pull all that off this morning. So you're just going to have to put up with listening to the story instead of seeing it happen in real life. And uh, I couldn't find anybody that was willing to be lowered from the ceiling on a bed, you know, to... It's okay. I know some of the boys are going, I would have done it. You just didn't ask me. But uh, no, we're not going to have you do that this morning. But do you remember that story... So this man gets lowered on his bed to Jesus and Jesus in the middle of this room teaching and preaching and the room is packed with people. That's why they went through the roof because they couldn't get through the press, all the people around him. And as this man is lowered to the feet of Jesus, Jesus looks at that man and he says to that man, Sir, thy sins be forgiven thee. That's a statement, isn't it? Can you imagine God looking at you and saying, your sins are forgiven? Folks, you don't have to imagine that this morning. God has said this, if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. He will forgive your sins if you'll just believe. Jesus says the same thing to you as he says to that man. But see, the problem today is the same as the problem was back then. People don't believe that Jesus really can forgive sins. And that room was full of religious people who in their hearts and minds looked at Jesus and they thought to themselves, who is this man that says your sins are forgiven? Does he think he's God or something? And Jesus, because he's God, he knew exactly what was in their heart, in their mind. And Jesus looked at them and he says to the crowd, is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise, take up thy bed, and walk? 
Let me ask you that question this morning. Is it easier to say to someone, your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your bed, and walk? Which one's easier to say? Sins are forgiven, right? Because you don't know. I mean, this stuff with God and Jesus, is this even real, or is this just something that a bunch of people get around to try to feel better about themselves, right? I mean, really, your sins are forgiven? So Jesus says, and it was to prove that he had the power to forgive sins, he looked at the man and he said, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And the Bible says the man immediately got to his feet, took up his bed, and he left. Imagine the jaws as they dropped in that room. Because Jesus, his works back up his words. Amen. And this morning, if you've only come into contact with Jesus' words, it's wonderful. And you can learn a lot from them. But if you've never allowed Jesus to work in your life, you don't understand the power of those words. Jesus wants to work. Jesus can work. Jesus does work. And Jesus' works back up His words. Jesus had just healed a man. He says, I just healed this guy. Jesus had power and they were ignoring His works because they hated His words. They ignored what He did because they didn't like what He said. Jesus had a greater testimony than that of John. But let me ask you this morning, folks. This is a question I had to ask myself as I was studying this. You say you love somebody. Do your works back up your words? You say you care about somebody, but does what you do really show that you care? Or is it just empty words? See, Jesus couldn't be convicted just on the basis of His words because He had the works to back it up. He did what He said He was going to do. He kept His promises. He even went to the cross, even though this was awful and painful. And see, this morning, many of us are not like Jesus. Because, boy, we can talk a good game, can't we? But when you examine our lives and the things that we actually do, see, you might be here this morning saying, I believe in Jesus. Listen, if you believe, then follow Him. Obey Him. Do what He says. True faith results in works. Some of you are struggling this morning, and it's not because you don't know the truth. It's because you're not doing what the truth says to do. Amen. And if you'll obey Him, your works can back up your words. Jesus gave the testimony, the witness of His works. Jesus had the power to do what He needed to do, didn't He? And when Jesus healed that man, and when Jesus claimed to be God, He meant what He said, because He had the power to do it. 
See, Jesus had all power because His power came from God. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The world's going to end, isn't it? But Jesus is going to be there, isn't He? He's there till the end. He's there from the beginning. If you go to the beginning, Jesus was there. When you go to the end, Jesus is there. When you're here right in the middle of it all, Jesus is there. He has all power. It was given to Him from God, and He uses that power now to send us out. Listen, folks, if we were sent out on the mission that God has given us without any power to do it, we'd be wasting our time here this morning. You're not gathered here today, I hope, just to hear some guy talk kind of loudly and excitedly about something. Hopefully you're here this morning because there is truth. This isn't my power. This is God's power. This is God's word. This is God's truth. And you can either obey it and follow it and experience God's work in your heart and your life. Or you can continue just to talk and talk and talk. There was the witness of John the Baptist. There was the witness of his works. But Jesus didn't stop there. You know, in the court of law and Jewish court, two witnesses might have been sufficient. Aren't you thankful that Jesus goes above and beyond? Yes, sir. He doesn't stop with just, just barely. He always gives abundantly. He gives us a third witness. Verse number 37. He says, And the Father Himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Wow, that's a statement, folks. That God the Father gives witness to who Jesus is. Imagine this morning if I said, you know what? It's time for the service, my part of the service to be over. I'm going to sit down. God is going to finish the service. He's going to come down and preach. Wouldn't that be exciting? That happened to John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He comes up out of the water. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and came down to rest on Jesus. And God the Father, His voice spoke and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine if God showed up this morning and He spoke in an audible voice that we could see? Listen, folks, He is here. He's here in His Spirit, but He's also here through His Word this morning. And God has given us His Word this morning to be able to read it and follow it and obey it. God wants to speak to you this morning through His Word and give you what you need. But you've got to listen. Can you imagine there were people there that day that heard the voice of Almighty God and still refused to follow Him? You say, what was wrong with those people? Folks, what's wrong with us? We have the words of God right here, even more than they had in that day. Because this is the finished Word of God. From beginning to end, this is the whole record of everything that God wants to say to us right here in this book. 
and we go through our life and ignore it. We leave it on the shelf and we forget about it. It gathers dust in our house and we rarely open to read it. Well, this is hard. It's hard to read. It's hard to listen. Folks, God wants to speak to you through his word. Amen. Won't you listen? Well, pastor, I'm busy. I got this appointment. This thing's coming up. My life's crazy. Kids are a mess. I got bills to pay. I know. And God knows way better than I know. Get your life in order with Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, bills, right, and finances and problems and jobs, all these things shall be added unto you. We have things backwards. Well, let me fix my problems and then I'll follow God. No, you can't fix your problems. God can fix them. But you've got to obey Him. And that's where the problem happens, right? Because we don't want to let God fix our problem because that means humbling ourselves. And we're full of pride. I, I can do this. I got this. No, you don't. <laughs> and I don't either. We're just flesh. And the strongest among us is still weak. And you may have faced down a lot of battles in your time. You may have overcome a lot of things. But you can't overcome everything. Jesus said, He's overcome the world. See, God the Father gave a witness to who Jesus was. He said, This is my beloved Son. Are you going to listen to the Son of God that God the Father gave a witness about and said, this is my Son. Jesus said in verse 38, Ye have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His shape. Ye have not His word abiding in you. For whom He hath sent, Him ye believe not. That was a strong statement to make to these religious leaders. Because the religious leaders of this day, many of them had memorized much of the Pentateuch. They knew the Bible forwards and backwards. He wasn't speaking to a biblically illiterate people like we have today. Because, folks, if we're honest, we don't know the Bible like we should, do we? No, we don't. But these people knew the Bible. We know that they carried portions of the Bible on their arms and on their foreheads. They recited the Scripture to themselves throughout the day. Even as they greeted one another, they would greet each other using the, the Word of God, a special greeting. They knew the Bible. But you know someone else who knows the Bible? Satan. See, just because you know the Bible, it doesn't make you a follower of Christ. Just because you can open the Bible and you can read it and you can point things out and say, well, over this and I, I know all this, that doesn't make you right with God. Jesus said to these people, He says, the words of the Father, they don't abide in you. 
They haven't taken up root in your life. They haven't changed who you are. They're not working on you. He says, you've not His Word abiding in you. Why, for whom He hath sent, Him ye believe not. Now, if you're a thinking person this morning, and I know most of you are, you might be thinking to yourself, well, but He says they didn't believe in the one He sent. How did they know that Jesus was really the one who he had sent? Hmm, good question. Peter knew that. Let's go to our next point. See, God the Father was a witness to Jesus Christ. But this is our fourth point this morning, and I'm just going to take a few minutes here because this witness to Jesus were the Scriptures themselves, God's Word. The Bible. Verse number 39 says this. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. Here he says, And they are they which testify of me. The Scriptures testify of of Jesus. Now pause with me folks cuz what scriptures was he talking about? Was he talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No. Even though those do give witness to Jesus. When Jesus spoke these words, the scriptures that were written down were the books Moses had written and the Old Testament prophets. You say, you mean Jesus is in the Old Testament? See, there are people today that say, you know what, we just follow the New Testament. That Old Testament, that's just a different time and a different place, and God was different back then. I don't really like God in the Old Testament. He has a lot of wrath and a lot of judgment, a lot of anger, and He does a lot of things that I don't like. I prefer Jesus in the New Testament. Well, folks, some of that comes about because of a wrong view of what God was doing in the Old Testament, who God was. But folks, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And you know what? Jesus is in the Old Testament too. You say, really? All right, hang on. I got a list here because he's in there a lot. It starts in a reference to him in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This was the first mention of the gospel, and Jesus was referred to this way. The Bible said that he would be the seed of the woman who would bruise the head of Satan. Yes. Jesus was born of a woman. Yes. We know that. You say, well, that, okay. That's not much proof. Okay, stay with me. Later on, as we read through the book of Genesis, there's a man by the name of Abraham, right? Abraham. And the Bible says that somebody came and visited him one day, and this was the Son of God. And he spoke to Abraham, and he met with Abraham. Jesus appeared to Abraham. Jesus appeared to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, think about this. You've got these three guys. They're the only three out of thousands and thousands of people. They were leaders in the land of Babylon, but they were Jewish young men. They had been taken in captivity to Babylon. They had been put in places of leadership. And King Nebuchadnezzar decided one day to show how big and powerful that he was, that he was going to be a giant 
statue out of gold. This thing was about three times the height of this building. Gold. Just to show off how wealthy and powerful he was. And he brought all the people together and he said, when you hear the sound of the music, you bow down and worship. He wanted them to worship him. No. And so what happened? The music played and everybody bowed down. Everybody except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Nebuchadnezzar calls them in. He says, I'll give you another chance. Maybe you didn't hear the music the first time. <laughs> this time when the music plays, you bow down and they said to the king, Oh, king, we're not careful to answer thee concerning this matter. He said, King, we're not going to bow. The king says, Well, don't you know I'm going to throw you in the burning fiery furnace? And they said, Oh, king, we're not worried about that. King, we know that our God is able to save us from the burning fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't save us, he says, we still won't bow because God doesn't want us to do that. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, he's angry, he's upset. He heats that furnace up seven times hotter than it already was. Folks, we think Houston's hot. It's not a furnace like that was. He heats it up. They throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning fiery furnace. The Bible says the furnace was so hot that the guards that threw them into the furnace died. They didn't even get in the furnace. They just got close. But when they got thrown in the furnace, instead of being burned up almost immediately, Nebuchadnezzar, he's sitting back on his throne and maybe he thought, something funny in there, the heat waves or something's going on. I can't tell what it is. But he looked and he said, I see three men walking around and a fourth man. And he says, the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus showed up in the Old Testament. Can you imagine that? You're walking in the flame. The most awful thing physically that they could have ever maybe gone through in their life. And who was there with them? Jesus. I don't know what you're going through this morning. But if you'll obey Jesus, follow him, he's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's right there. See, God doesn't say, I'm going to keep from putting you in every fire. He allows you to go in some fires. But he's there with you when you're in the fire. If you're following him and obedient to him. Jesus was with those men in the fire. The Bible says the ropes burned off and they were able to walk around. And when they came out of the fire, the smell of smoke was not even on their clothing. Not even a hair of their head was singed. See, when Jesus is with you, it doesn't matter what your fire looks like. He's got you. You're protected. Jesus is in the Old Testament. Search the Scriptures, Jesus said. You say, well, that's just a few things. Folks, I'm not done. We can go back to the sacrificial system. As they made sacrifices of lambs and goats and different animals and things. What were those sacrifices pointing to? Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Oh, you know one other prophet, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says he was 
looking there and he was with the Lord and he looked up and he beheld the Lord in all of his glory. He says, woe is me for I'm a man undone for I'm a man of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King. If you come back to the New Testament, the book of John, a few chapters over, chapter 12, the Bible says, Isaiah saw Jesus. How did he see Jesus? Because Jesus is God, and Jesus has always been. Jesus was there in the Old Testament. Amen, Jacob, I already mentioned it earlier in the message, he saw the latter, right? We read of Old Testament prophets who told of Jesus. Listen, Jesus is a better prophet. We read of the Old Testament priests who would come and be the go-between between the people of God and God Himself, right? They would bring the sacrifices. Jesus is a better priest. He's a better high priest this morning. He's the perfect sacrifice. We read of the Old Testament shepherds who cared for their sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Then Jesus is a better shepherd, right? And he's caring for you, his sheep. Jesus is a better shepherd. We read of the Old Testament kings. Remember those guys? Saul and David and Solomon, all the different ones. It was helping us to realize that Jesus would be a better king. And he would be a better king, wouldn't he? And he is a better king. Oh, wait. It's not done yet either because did you know about 25% of the Old Testament is prophecy? And the Old Testament prophecy points toward Jesus, so much of it. Think of it, right? We read in the Old Testament how Jesus would die, didn't we? We read that Jesus would die on a cross. We read that He would be bruised, that He would be broken. We read about Jesus and where He would be born. Did you know the Old Testament tells us that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? We read where that he would be born of a virgin, Isaiah chapter 7. Wow. Over and over and over confirmations of Jesus. And that doesn't even get into some of the Old Testament pictures of Jesus, right? I mean, Job. Here's a man with his friends had forsaken him. Those closest to him for forsaken and he had done nothing wrong. But God blessed him. Jesus was a better Job. His own people had forsaken him, hadn't they? Or how about Adam, right? Adam sinned by eating from a tree. Jesus died on a tree. Adam brought thorns. Jesus was crucified and he had thorns put on his head. The Bible talks about the first Adam and the last Adam. The first Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, he brought sin into the world. The second Adam, Jesus, brought forgiveness for sin. The scriptures witness to Jesus. Could go on and on and on and on giving examples of this. Jesus told these religious leaders, search the scriptures. Folks, if you're struggling to understand or believe who Jesus is, Search the Scriptures. What do they say? He's going to give witness to who He is. 
But here's the thing about the Scriptures that some people misunderstand. The Scriptures are not primarily about you, right? They're about Jesus and what He does for you. These people, they didn't understand the Scriptures in a way that would help them. Look at verse 40. He says, And ye will not come to Me that ye might have life. Jesus said in verse 41, I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. Wow. Jesus told these men, He said, I know you. I know what's going on in your heart. I know what's going on in your mind. Jesus said in verse 43, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Jesus, it's as if he's in a court of law and he takes the burden of proof and he shifts it over to the religious leaders. Right? See, they came to him, first of all, saying, prove to me that you're really God. Right? That you can really say, I'm the Son of God and you're not blaspheming. And Jesus begins to give witness after witness. John the Baptist, he gives the witness of his works. He gives the witness of God the Father. He gives the witness of Scripture. And then Jesus takes it and he begins to flip it back on them and say, but you don't even believe the very word that you say to search, that you say that you read, that you say that you know. The word of God that you say that you follow, that you're obeying, it's not in your heart like you say that it is. Notice, he said that there's no love of God in them. Verse 42. Wow. Accusing these religious leaders that they didn't love God. Say, yes, I love God. Look at all of the laws we're keeping. You can keep all the laws of God and not love God if you're doing it for yourself, if you're not doing it for the Lord. He says, you don't love the Lord. He says, you didn't receive Jesus. Verse 43, I come in my Father's name and ye receive me not. Notice the end of verse 43 though. He says, if another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. He said, you receive other people based on what they say about themselves, right? Someone comes in and talks a big game and is very charismatic personality. A lot of people want to follow them, right? That happens today too. Anybody can build a following if they have enough energy and enough time and enough money and all these things. People will follow just about anything and anybody if it appeals to them. Jesus says, you won't even follow me, but you would follow somebody else. Why? Because while they supposedly knew the Scriptures, they hadn't really put the Scriptures. They weren't abiding in the Scriptures. The Pharisees received glory from one another. Look at verse 44. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? He's getting down to the root cause of why they kept the law. They did it so everybody else would think highly of them. Folks, don't come to church just so everybody else will think you're a good person because it's not going to help you. You're just here for the honor of men. Come for the honor of, because you want to honor God. Some people are going to make choices in their life because they're afraid of what other people are going to think or say. The Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of man bringeth a snare. A snare. But whoso trusteth in the Lord shall be safe. 
If you're here this morning, you're afraid of what other people are thinking about you. It's because your eyes are on those people and not on the Lord. You need to be more concerned about what God thinks about you this morning than everybody else. And you may have to make some decisions at times that don't make sense to everybody else, but they better be right before God. And if they're right before God, trust Him to take care of all of the things. And if, it, and if some people get frustrated with you and upset, just make sure you're right with God because He's the one that we want to honor and glorify. Jesus said to these Pharisees, you're trying to get honor from one another. You want other people to look at you and to pay attention to what you're doing. They were people pleasers. Some of you this morning may be a conflict avoider, right? If someone doesn't approve of me or what I'm doing, then I just shut down and I don't do it. The fear of the Lord is not the fear of man. If you're seeking to please everyone else, and not seeking to please God. You're missing out on what God wants. Jesus said in verse 42, but I know you. Folks, the reason you want to please God more than anybody else, He's your Savior, He's your Creator, He's your friend, but He knows you. He knows you. You're here this morning. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter who your parents were. None of that keeps God from knowing you. Those things are very important to you, right? Your family is important to you. Your problems are important to you. Your struggles are important to you. And sometimes it's difficult even coming to church, isn't it? Because we feel like, but nobody understands where I'm at. I, th these people can't relate to me. These people are different than me. Those people look different than I do. Those people don't like the same things I like. Jesus knows you. And what brings us together is the fact that Jesus knows us. And if we're following His Word, we know Him. And not getting caught up in all the other things that can often divide people. Remember that Jesus knows. He knows you. He knows your need. And He knows when you're not doing right. You may look good here this morning. I may look good this morning, I don't know, but God knows what's in my heart, just like He knows what's in your heart. He does. Jesus knows. The witnesses to Jesus, we have John the Baptist, we have the works of Jesus, we have God the Father Himself, we have the Scriptures. And final witness this morning, verse number 45 This is really powerful. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Wow. After all this and all these people that didn't like Jesus and were arguing and fighting with Him and persecuting Him, Jesus says, I'm not going to have to accuse you to the Father. Why? He says, there is one that accuses, accuseth you, even Moses in whom you trust. Say, so why would Moses be accusing these people before God? Well, look at verse 46. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. He says, Moses wrote about me. Moses did. 
I already mentioned one, Genesis 3, but there are other times as he appeared to Abraham, he wrote about that. Deuteronomy 6 talks about, mentions Jesus. Moses wrote about God and about specifically Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm not going to have to accuse you. Someday you're going to stand before God and you may want to stand on your merit and say, but God, we didn't know. And he says, Jesus says, I'm not going to be the one that accuses you. Moses is. Because if you would just believe what Moses said, you would have believed in me. Folks, Jesus isn't trying to hide from you this morning. He's not trying to play hard to get. He's not playing hide and seek with you this morning. He's offering himself. He's right here. There's plenty of witness to who he is and what he's done. How he loves you. But you've got to choose whether or not you're going to follow him or continue in your own way. Jesus, there is wonderful witness to Jesus, the witness of Moses. See, these people thought, well, we've kept all the law of Moses, right? He says there in verse number 45 that Moses in whom ye trust. Folks, you can't trust in Moses. can't trust in your good works. It's not good enough. You have to trust in Jesus. He said, but if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Are you trusting in Jesus this morning? I want to finish with two questions this morning. First question is this. If someone were to have to know who Jesus was and believe in him based on your witness, would you be able to point anybody to Jesus? Do your works point people to Jesus? Does your attitude point people to Jesus? The way that you handle situations, does that point people to Jesus? If Jesus had to call a sixth witness, would he be able to call you? See, the Bible teaches us that we all are to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? But I think if we examine ourselves in light of God's word, there are many times I wouldn't be a very good witness to Jesus, and maybe you wouldn't either. If people saw what was going on in my mind or heard what happened at my home or when I was at work or out with my friends or doing my stuff, it wouldn't really be a good witness to Jesus. I don't think Jesus would call me as a witness. And if that's you this morning, I would encourage you, listen, hope is not gone. Jesus loves, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, to take the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. Amen. He doesn't always choose the strongest or the richest or the most famous person to follow him. He can use those people too. But he can use really weak, broken things too. And if you're not the witness for Jesus that you should be, look to him. Follow his word, obey the truth, and begin walking in a proper relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can too be a witness to Jesus. Second question is this. Maybe you've heard these five witnesses this morning and you say, you know what? One witness was good, two was even better, three, but five? 
To be honest, I've never put my trust in Jesus Christ, but after hearing these five witnesses this morning, I know now that these things were written that I might believe. And I need to believe this morning. I'm done going my own way. I'm done trusting in my own strength. I'm done trying to get it done in my own goodness and hard work and good morals and ability. It's not enough. I need Jesus because He's the one that the Father spoke about. He's the one that the Scriptures speak about. He's the one that John the Baptist testified. He's the one whose works backed it up. He's the one that even Moses wrote about. And I want to believe in Him this morning. If that's you this morning, or if you're that person that says, I need to be a better witness, and I'm not the witness I should be, in just a moment, the pianist is going to come play. And as she plays the song, bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's talk to God. There, if you want to come up here and pray with me, come pray with me. I'd be happy to have somebody come pray with me and say, Pastor, I need to be a better witness. Pray with me. I'm going to ask you to pray for me the same thing this morning. That I would be the witness that God wants me to be through a life lived in service for Him. That what I say is backed up by what I do. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. As the pianist comes to play, you respond as God has spoken to your heart. If you want to come up here and pray, I'll pray with you. If you need somebody else to come pray, come up here and I'll send you out with somebody who can pray with you and I'll come pray with you as soon as the service is over as well. But let's pray.